Disclaimer, please check your playback settings. Ensure you are listening to this podcast at normal speed. Unless you want us to sound drunk, then play at half speed. Thank you. Are you sure this is where it's supposed to be? It's where all the clues lead us. This has to be the place. An ancient temple. I mean, it makes sense if you think about it. Does it, though? All right, everyone. I'm Ra- Uh, Rabe. Yeah, Rabe. From Rabe's Custom Personal Conquests. I will be your guide through this temple. Now, be careful. This is an actual ancient temple, so there are some untripped booby traps. So just stick to the roped areas, don't touch anything, and you should be fine. So don't touch anything like this? Stop trying to trigger the traps. But here's an actual one. That was an actual booby trap. Whew, that was close. Are those actual poison darts? Yes, don't get hit with one of those either. Unload your bowels and send you into a deep psychosis. Hallucinations and all. I could have dodged that easily. All right, guys, let's get going. What's with that? What was what? But you don't hear that ominous ghost warning us of potential danger? Man, I really need to get that checked out. Guys, can we focus on me crossing this tiny bridge over a bottomless pit, maybe? No, oh, sorry. sorry. Okay, Josh, just be careful walking across that bridge. And watch out for the booby trap at the end Got of- Got it! <laughs> no, Josh, don't step on the- No shit! <laughs> I could have dodged that a lot better. Spooky hallway. Literally, it's just a hallway. Like, I can see the end of it. Literally. Straightforward. Hallway. Seems a bit too easy, huh, guys? It does seem that way. What's the catch? Pit of spikes? I'm gonna say pit of spikes. Lame. Nope. Honestly, I'm not sure. You guys went off path and I've never been in this part of the temple. But aren't you the guide here? Oh, just walk. Come on, don't be a wuss. Okay. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Delete my browser history. Is Tom dead? If he is, my insurance premiums are going to skyrocket. No, the trap's resetting. Look, he made it. <laughs> I could have gotten past that a lot better. You and I are going to have words after this. Look, in the totally not booby trap chambers up ahead. Finally, what we've been searching for this entire journey. It's the long lost. Okay, so my turn, all right? I'm going to show you guys how it's done. Just be careful. This will have booby traps. <laughs> Whatever, okay. I just got to do it fast. Run, 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 run. <laughs> that's... Uh, whew, that's enough. Okay. Dude, that was like five steps. Shut it! Now to grab the thing. Dan, what's that three-inch bamboo dart-looking thing sticking out of your neck? No, 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 no. Okay, look. Bo Bridges was in the last few seasons of Stargate. Jeff Bridges was in Starman. All right, buddy, just stay there. Just try not to make any sudden moves until we come up to get you, because it looks like you're standing right on top of a trap. <laughs> Door. We're going to have to go get him, aren't we? Yeah. Yep. All right. Geronimo! 
Here we go. Oh. Whew. Well, we made it to the lower levels. I guess that was nice of them to at least set up a soft map for us to land on. I don't think that was a mat. Sorry, Dan. Thanks for catching us, buddy. Where are we? Your doom! Yes, that's right. It was me, Rob, the whole time. Yeah, we know. Really? Dude, you weren't even doing an accent. <clears throat> uh, yes, well... As you can see, Fire Pit Podcast, there is nothing you possess that I cannot take. Hey, that's ours! You can't possess that! Yeah, the right shoe doesn't work without the left one. Yeah, we spent this whole journey trying to find that. Yes, and this is where your journey ends. My feet are stuck. Mine too. Huh. This pen's not working like a pencil. And here, you will remain. <laughs> So, just to be clear, your plan was to get stuck in a pit with the three of us? What? You know you're stuck in here with us too, right? What's supposed to happen next? Uh... Crap. Yeah, let's watch a movie, guys. Gentlemen, we are on an adventure. First, we're going to flood the city with blue, with Chadwick Boseman and 21 Bridges. Then it's going to get chilly with Keith Davey and The Thing. But then after that, we buddy up with Kurt Russell. Welcome to America! And Tango and Cash. Here's where it gets different. We take Sylvester Stallone and Nighthawks. And then we'll try to figure out who's who. So please pay attention. With Rutger Howard and Blade Runner. And then put on your hats we take Harrison Ford to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Hike up those boots and crack those whips, because the fire pit is swinging into adventure. Follow Dan, Tom, and Josh as they race the skies and follow the dotted lines to the X that marks the spot of this journey. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's danger. It's deception. But hopefully there won't be any snakes. Every Tuesday, here at the Fire Pit. Gentlemen, I hope we live to tell the tale. Good evening, bots and listeners, and welcome to yet another Destination episode of the Fire Pit. I'm Colorado Josh, and we are amazingly on episode 69. Nice. Nice. Which is our third destination of season two and the ninth destination film overall. And to commemorate this event, we've decided to bring in some help. And what better help than our very first and so far only sponsor, the chairman, CEO, starting quarterback, and current world heavyweight world champion, Rob of Rob's Custom PCs. So, with no further ado, I introduce you to, you guessed it, Rob. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Dan and Tom, for having me. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Rob from Rob's Custom PCs and another friend of the channel. I'm really looking forward to being part of the show tonight as we watch one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, As per this podcast rules, they've taken an actor or actress from our last film and moved them to this one. Now, to tell us all more about what we're watching and who we're watching, I'll send things over to my longtime friend, Dan. 
Thank you, Rob. Evening, folks. I'm Massachusetts Dan, and last week we watched Rutger Hauer chase Harrison Ford around in Blade Runner until he went away like tears in rain. And tonight we take the one and only Harrison Ford to his second, or first, depending on your preference, most iconic role, that of Indiana Jones in his first outing as the fedora-wearing, whip-cracking adventure archaeologist in 1981's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Really looking forward to this one, and to give us a rundown on the film and some meta, I turn the mic over to Tom. Thank you, Nigel. New Hampshire Thompson here, and as mentioned just before, tonight... We're watching 1981's Raiders of the Lost Ark, starring Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, John Rice Davies, Paul Freeman, and Ronald Lacey. Raiders was released on June 12th, 1981, and has a running time of 115 minutes. It had a budget of $20 million and a box office of a very modest humble $389.9 million. In 1981 money. <laughs> yeah. It stands on Rotten Tomato with a 95%, with an audience score of 96%, with an IMDb score of 8.5 out of 10. Not the highest IMDb movie we've seen on this podcast, but it is way up there. And before I begin, we are correcting the order. I am supposed to give my meta now? Yes. Groovy. Wait. But there... It goes rundown, bleeds directly into the meta. I, it's just that we you, flip the in intro. You, but you did the, you, I, I told you earlier, I, oh, Tom, just give the goddamn meta. <laughs> so tonight, we're going to go lay down. I have a headache. It's been a long week for him. Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Tagline, the return of the great adventure. Summary, in 1939, archaeologist and adventurer Indiana Jones, played by Harrison Ford, is hired by the U.S. government to find the Ark of the Covenant before Adolf Hitler's Nazis can obtain its awesome powers. Gentlemen, team, Rob, listeners, this... It's a story of two men's love for classic 1930s serials, backed by the man of a hundred films, starring the man of many names, scored by the man of a hundred themes, and stands as one of the most highly regarded adventure films of the late 20th century. Its whole film is essentially a major send-up to the classic 1930-1940 serial films like Spy Smasher, The Lone Ranger, and Flash Gordon. The good ones, not the ones from the 80s. Behind the camera, this was produced by George Lucas and Frank Marshall. Not Steven Spielberg. I thought Spielberg produced this too, but no. He only helped come up with the story. And my God... These two. Lucas, of course, at this point, uh, mostly just his own stuff, Star Wars. Uh, Indiana Jones was one of his first ones. He'd go on to do Labyrinth, produce that. But Marshall, man, has 140 movie and TV show credits to his name with so many 80s and 90s hits. It's dumb. The Warriors, Goonies, Poltergeist, Interspace, both Back to the Futures, The Money Pit, 
Tiny Toons, How I Spent My Summer Vacation, The Born Identity Movies, Jurassic World. You get the point, this guy's stuff makes money. He knows how to pick them. As a screenwriter, Lucas and Spielberg came up with the story together and worked very closely with Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Empire Strikes Back before this film. Um, handpicked by Spielberg to help them make the film. Uh, he's done quite a few other pretty good ones we've seen. Uh, Return of the Jedi, of course, Silverado, The Big Chill, and Solo and The Force Awakens. Again, this was one of his earliest films, but my God, when you're coming off of Empire Strikes Back, you know what you're doing. And speaking of knowing what you're doing, Steven Spielberg was the man behind the camera. And this guy was a genius. Literally, they plucked him out of film school right away. It's like, dude, we're going to cook you up on this. Some of his earliest films, Amblin, Duel, and Firelight. Um, but before this film, he had done Jaws, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and his dud film, 1941. And when your first two films you ever do for a major motion picture company are Jaws and Close Encounters, yeah. He's gone on to do a few other films we might have seen. Saving Private Ryan, um, Jurassic Park, and Ready Player One. The last one, obviously, not the best. John Williams did the score for this. We've heard his stuff. Everyone's heard his stuff. Star Wars, Jurassic Park, Superman, Saving Private Ryan, Harry Potter. He's one of the best composers in Hollywood. You can't go wrong with him behind your camera making it sound good. And in front of your camera, you got acts like Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, John Rice Davies, Paul Freeman. We mentioned them before. Incidentally, as an aside, Paul Freeman who plays Belloc here, also played Ivan Ooze in the Power Rangers film. For now, I'm just going to focus on Harrison Ford, Karen Allen, and John Reese davies Harrison Ford? I think we've seen him in a few things on the podcast. Uh, one or two. Um, stop me if you've heard some of these. Uh, Empire Strikes Back. Nope. 42. Nope. Blade Runner. Nope. 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 None of these ringing bells. No. 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 I mean, anything you say about this guy has been said and will be said. He's an amazing performance actor. Uh, for his sidekick, John Reese davies playing Sala to uh, Ford's Indiana Jones, a character actor. He's kind of a toned-down version of Brian Blessed. This is one of his earlier roles, but he's been Gimli in Lord of the Rings and The Professor in Sliders and Sean Connery's character in the TV version of Untouchables. And he also did the voice of the Brian King in Aquaman. So technically, we've had him on this podcast before. But for the love interest, we have Karen Allen, who plays Marion. And this was one of her earliest films, um, Animal House being her first. But she went on to do Starman, Malcolm X, and The Sandlot. A performance actress, really good stuff. I think she was handpicked by the group early on, but... I don't know too much about the trivia on this. But nothing was trivial about this film. Very highly regarded when it came out. Awarded several awards and nominated. Um, almost too many to mention here. But it's safe to say this, uh, this hit the notes when it came out. And it still does. This has been consistently ranked as one of the top films uh, by most modern 
Movie list, Rotten Tomatoes, of course, 95%. Empire Magazine, ranked maybe it's the seventh best film of all time. So on, so forth. I could go on. But I'm curious about the box office of this film. So, Josh, what did Indiana Jones look like when it came out? Thank you, Tom. Uh, Well, as we know, Indiana Jones and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark was released June 2nd, 1981. And to date, it has grossed almost $250 million. And almost 400 million worldwide. That's uh, the exact number is closer to 389 million. But on its original release uh, in June of 1981, it obviously premiered at number one, grossing in 8.3 million dollars in 1,000 theaters on that weekend. Now, what was the top five? You ask. The answer is no, because the box office numbers were not reported very well in the early 80s, as our longtime listeners know. And any new listeners, I will inform you that. Pretty much before 1983, box office numbers were hit or miss due to the lack of computers and networking. So Raiders of the Lost Ark ran, uh, really doesn't, it isn't fully laid out online, but it did have a 1982 re-release, which was less than a year later, where it did pull in $21 million. But number one of the box office, that's its opening weekend was itself, and then at number two was Clash of the Titans, pulling in $6.5 million, and at number three was History of the World Part 1. I'm just going to, like I've been doing, I'm just going to go into the highest-grossing movies of that year. So the highest-grossing movies of 1981, uh, the number one highest-grossing movie of that year goes to, anybody want to take a guess? Of that year, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm-hmm. No. No? No. Oh, Back to the Future. 1981. 1981. Rob, any ideas from your side? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Well, I'll give you a hint. Very similar to modern movies, it was a superhero film. Superman? Superman 2? Superman 2, yep. Uh, Oh, wow. Yep, Superman 2, highest grossing film of 1981. Indiana Jones, amazingly enough, only pulled in $21 million, which these numbers are really crazy because it looks like it only ran for a month. Yeah, these numbers definitely are not accurate. So... The box office is a mess because numbers were a mess. So I'm just going to go ahead and segue out of this seg- segment. <laughs> <laughs> Graceful exit. Yes. Dan, do you have any trivia on this uh, movie? Oh, there's so much trivia. I could go on for an hour, but I won't. Seems the exact opposite of the box office numbers. Yeah, there's so much trivia about this film. Um, this film is what we uh, in the uh, industry like to call a franchise starter. This is the movie that launched the Indiana Jones franchise, which actually includes three more films. 1984's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, 1989's Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and 2008's Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Also, there's a current film being uh, filmed that's uh, set to release in 2022, not to mention a couple of television series, uh, Young Indiana Jones being the most popular, multiple video games, most of them trash, comic books, novels, theme park attractions, toys, and even an amateur filmmaker made a complete remake of this film in like 1990. So. So, I would like to point out, there is actually an Indiana Jones game in development, I believe, at Bethesda. Yes, really? and that one yeah. is showing signs of promise, but uh, most Indiana Jones games are not great. But yeah, this is a franchise starter, so like I said, it just started all this uh, Indiana Jones stuff. Um, this is why it's either Harrison Ford's second most iconic role behind Han Solo, or if you're not a science fiction fan or a Star Wars fan, it's his most iconic role. And honestly, both arguments are correct. Harrison Ford had made Han Solo his character, and he's made Indiana Jones his character. What if you're a fan of the Jack Ryan films? Uh, well, that's different. 
Okay. <laughs> That's different. I, the, his version of the Jack Ryan films are fine, but I, I, I would say Indiana Jones or Han Solo are more iconic roles. Uh, but yeah, um, going back to what I was talking about in an earlier episode, uh, in alternate casting, somewhere in a parallel universe, this Fire Pit podcast is sitting down to watch Tom Selleck's most iconic role, not Magnum P.I., but Indiana Jones. George Lucas loved Harrison Ford, but didn't want to cast him in Indiana Jones for two reasons. George Lucas didn't want to seem like he was favoriting certain actors because he had already used Harrison Ford in uh, American Graffiti and then used him again in Star Wars. It was almost the same as uh, uh, what was the other movie I mentioned where they didn't want to cast the same guy in another leading role. But anyways... Tom Selleck was supposed to be Indiana Jones. In fact, he had already done not principal photography, but they had basically already had him in costume on set, taking pictures, uh, showing him locations. He had the script. He had signed on to do the role. He was already in Hawaii where the uh, intro to the movie was filmed. Um, so he was all set to be Indiana Jones. And then, um, as fate would have it, Magnum P.I. got approved for a second season. So he could not... Um, get out of his Magnum PI contract. Uh, back then it was a lot harder for actors to film both movies and television because of the schedules. So he couldn't film Indiana Jones. He was already contractually obligated to play Magnum. So he went to go do the Magnum PI role, which I mean, that's Tom Selleck's most iconic role. And uh, Harrison Ford went on to become Indiana Jones. But like I said, there's a parallel universe where Tom Selleck was Indiana Jones. And incidentally, Tango and Cash was the last one, Nigel, where it was Kurt Russell. Oh, right. Yeah, right. Because, um, or no, it was, we talked about it in The Thing, where John, oh, right, John Carpenter, thing, yeah. John Carpenter was reluctant to hire Kurt Russell in The Thing to be the leading role in The Thing because he had already had Kurt Russell as the lead in Escape from New York. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So it was a very perilous situation. The only difference is Kurt Russell was able to do The Thing and Tom Selleck was not able to do Raiders. So, Harrison Ford was cast. Another actor that was also originally in the running to be Indiana Jones was one Sam Neill. We've seen him in Dead Calm and Hunt for Red October, which is kind of funny because he would go on to become a um, paleontologist that wears a fedora in Alan Grant. Um, I totally dressed up for him in fourth grade as him. <laughs> which one, Alan Grant or Indiana Jones? Alan Grant. Oh, okay. I've never seen the movie. Oh, okay. Though. All right. So, uh, and like Tom mentioned in the meta, this film is like Star Wars and it, it is steeped in 1930s and 1940s style adventure storytelling. So, so whereas he took Star Wars as inspiration from pulp serials like uh, Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, this is namely pulp serials like Doc Savage. So the adventure archaeologist role. In real life, archaeology is nothing like the Indiana Jones movies. It's uh, rather boring. You are not going through temples triggering booby traps. <laughs> booby. <laughs> nice. A couple more things I got. Despite having the dream team of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, this film was initially turned down by every major studio in Hollywood. Only after much persuasion did Paramount finally agree to make this film. How? Hollywood really doesn't like George Lucas. Yeah, I mean, Star Wars, this is three years, four years after Star Wars. Well, it would have been three years filming after Star Wars came out. And year after Empire, you'd think they'd have a little faith in the guy. Yeah, and Spielberg made Jaws and Close Encounters, and it was already bona fide hits. So I don't know why this studio was like, we're not going to do it. Well, if you think about it, just putting it into the context of the time frame, what was really popular in the late 70s and early 80s? Sci-fi. Sci-fi, and this was like... like you uh, want us to invest in a 1930s 
adventure about a cave robber. We plunked how much money into that goddamn swashbuckler film with the guy from Jaws? No! Yeah, okay, seeing Josh's point now, I can see why studios were a little hesitant because sci-fi and horror films were kind of taken off around this time and they wanted to do a 1940s style or 1930s style pulp adventure film and yeah tom's right swashbuckler was made in the year after jaws and it was a fucking failure so (laughs) trying to think here or think what else i wanted to mention oh uh here's a funny one Producers limited the amount of on-screen blood from gunshots during the Chuck chase because they were trying to keep a PG rating, not an R rating. So they were trying to limit the on-screen blood. So from gunshots, especially during the uh, truck chase, by using really fine red dust instead of liquid fake blood. Unfortunately, the only red dust available for squibs was cayenne pepper, which caused immense suffering. For the oh. stunt crew. Oh, oh, Jesus, God. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah, this coincides with the shooting in Tunisia. Ton- how do you spell that? Or how do you say that country? Tunisia? Tunisia. Yeah. I, Tunisia was brutal and terrible. And uh, everyone hated it. Insult to injury. Hey, let's throw some cayenne yeah, in here. Everyone, <laughs> every single member of the production crew and most of the cast got sick in Tunisia. Everyone except Steven Spielberg. He's the only one who didn't get sick. And the only reason why he didn't get sick is because he flies in his own food. Like usually when he's filming a movie, especially back then, he only ate like SpaghettiOs. So he was eating canned SpaghettiOs. He was not eating any of the native food. So he did not get sick. He's the only one that didn't get sick. Most of the cast got sick. Harrison Ford got so sick, and this is actually a famous bit of trivia. Harrison Ford got so sick that when they were filming the finale of the big chase scene in, in that city, he was supposed to have a long, protracted, choreographed fight with the swordsman using his whip. And Harrison Ford was so sick, he just asked, can I fucking shoot him? <laughs> and so they, they said, okay, fine. So they wrote in the scene where Indy just pulls out his gun and shoots the swordsman dead. After the swordsman does a whole lot of like flippy stuff with his sword and, and acts all Billy Badass. And that's the end of the scene. And actually, when you watch it, it kind of makes more sense in Indiana Jones's character to just shoot him with a gun. So See, that's I didn't realize that was because he was sick. I'd always heard it that he was mm-hmm. uh, like he just like why are we having this big no. elaborate fight scene? No, he, wouldn't he just shoot him? No, actually he was all on board to do the the fight. He just was so sick during the, this part of the filming. He mm. was just no, I'm shooting him <laughs> and I'm going back to my trailer because I'm literally shitting my pants. And yeah, the crew either had a dysentery or cholera or a combination of the two. It was so bad in the, in, in Tunisia that instead of eight weeks to film, they filmed the whole damn thing in like four because <laughs> they wanted to get out of that country so bad because everything was just, not going right. The only thing that kept production alive was George Lucas and Steven Spielberg reminding themselves that, um, I can't remember the actor's name, but he was 58 years old and was able to survive in Tunisia filming Lawrence of Arabia. So that's like, yeah, we're, we're, we'll get through this. Glad the Hollywood execs didn't hear that. And they're like, okay, so we can keep people on uh, time and under budget by giving them dysentery <laughs> light bulb <laughs> yeah the last bit of trivia i have is uh people with a good ear for sound effects will notice that uh indies escape from the natives at the very beginning of the film uh when the engine starts it's the same sound effect that's used when the millennium falcon's hyperdrive engine fails huh yeah oh you know what that that's <laughs> now that you say that yep 
And you can also see R2-D2 and C-3PO in the hieroglyphs uh, when they get into the uh, Well of Souls to find the Ark. Ah, extended universe confirmed. Well, there was actually a uh, crossover comics between Indiana Jones and Han Solo, apparently. A while back, think... pre-buyout. Uh, but like apparently the, the uh, Millennium Falcon crash-landed on Earth. Oh, and, yeah. Um, they were killed. Han and Chewie or something was killed in the uh, crash. And then guess which uh, Lonely Ark... Uh, archaeologists found them right yeah hundred years i think later. i remember reading that when it came out and then that's pretty well wait no 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry there I, one thing i really did want to share with you guys costume designer deborah nadulman based indy's outfit flying jacket and fedora on charlton heston's outfit in secret of the incas in 1954 and they also pay homage to that film in this movie in that film heston plays a treasure hunting adventurer who after studying an ancient map room uses a beam of sunlight reflected off of a crystal to pinpoint the exact location of the treasure they pay homage to that movie in this movie so homage or just straight ripping off well it's a little bit different in heston's film but it's it yeah I don't think it's a ripoff. I do think it's a homage. If Disney has taught me anything, it's that if the movie is at least 30 years old, we can rip it off point for point and call it an original. It's worked for Tarantino. Um, also in that same film, Charlton Heston's character flies a hijacked airplane and goes downriver in an inflatable yellow raft. So those scenes were later copied or paid homage to in the sequel, Temple of Doom. So. Ah. Uh, cool. But that's all I have for trivia for now. I've got more as we watch the movie, obviously. I don't like to ramble on for too long, but there's so much to this film that I just had to read a bunch of it. So now that uh, I've gone over some trivia, I think our expectations are pretty high for this film, but I'm still curious. And I think we're going to start with the guest of honor. Rob, what are your expectations going into this film? Well, my expectations are that I am going to love this movie. I, I, I've seen it so many times. I don't even know. I mean, I, I couldn't even count. Um, th this It's a fantastic movie. It's probably number two after Empire for me, as far as my favorite movies go. Um, I love Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford, Har Harrison Ford is probably my favorite actor. I know what I'm getting into with this movie. I know I'm going to have fun. Excited to watch it with you guys. Do you have any, like, fond early memories? Do you remember the first time you saw it? Anything like that? I don't know that I remember the first time I saw it, but I always had, uh, I guess, fond and not quite so fond memories. But every time I every time I got sick and had to stay home, uh, I would watch either Star Wars or Indiana Jones. So it was always one of my first picks. I, I've worn the DVDs, if it's possible to wear a DVD out. Uh, I've worn the DVDs out. Didn't think that was possible. <laughs> so it's interesting. This film was made by people who were sick and you enjoyed it while you were sick. <laughs> That's true. I did not have dysentery, but uh, yeah, no, this is, this was always one of my, always one of my go-tos uh, when I was sick or even when I was just, when I was allowed to watch a movie on the, on the big screen in the living room, instead of down in the basement, this was, this was uh, a very frequent pick for me. It's a good choice. It's a good choice. What, what about you, Rob? What, or I mean, uh, Josh, what about you? What are your expectations? Well, this is a movie I feel like I've started a few times at least. I think I know it beat for beat, but I don't think I've seen it in its entirety ever. So mm. I don't know what I'm really expecting. I've like I just I've never seen it. I hear good things, mostly from you guys. So yeah, I just I've seen God, I don't even know if I've seen all any of them all the way through. I've seen Crystal Skull all the way through. I know that mm. one because when it came out I actually watched it. 
but I haven't. I don't think I've seen I'm any sorry. Of all their way through. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe that's why I haven't watched Indiana Jones because that's that that was the first one I watched all the way through, and I'm like, this is Indiana Jones. I'm out. <laughs> this is Indiana Jones might be a mis that might be a misleading statement for that movie. <laughs> well, no, if that was my first introduction to him. Yeah, I, but again, I don't. Uh, I, I I have thoughts on that film, but. For this one, I really don't know. I don't know what I'm expecting. I'm hoping it's going to be as good as uh, you guys said, but after last week, I don't want to go in with high expectations. No. That's minor spoilers for Rob, because he probably hasn't heard last week's episode yet. But uh, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm going to keep mine just average. If I enjoy the film, it's met expectations for me. What about you, Dan? So I do have a fond memory of this film. I first got into Indian, into Indiana Jones films. I do remember my dad watching this movie a lot when it was on TV, but I never paid attention to it. But I didn't get into Indiana Jones until The Last Crusade came out because that came out in the summer of 89. And that's when I really started paying attention to movies. That was I mean, we all we've done quite a few movies from the summer of 89. So that was a really good year for films. But a couple of years later, after Last Crusade came out. McDonald's was having a promotion where if you bought an extra value meal, you could buy a VHS copy of one of the Indiana Jones movies for like a couple of bucks or 10 bucks or something like that. And I really wanted The Last Crusade, like really bad. And mom couldn't find it anywhere and ended up getting me Raiders of the Lost Ark for Christmas. Like it was a Christmas present, that movie. And I remember being disappointed because it wasn't the last crusade because I really wanted that one. I mean, I once got Sean Connery and Harrison Ford. I mean, what's not to like about that film, mm-hmm. but I really wanted that one, but I got Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I remember that Christmas morning, my dad was excited because he loves that film. Like he loved Raiders of the Lost Ark. So we watched it that day, that Christmas day, we watched that movie, I fell in love the first time I saw this film. And actually from that point on, well, The Last Crusade's a very, 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 very good movie and could be made an argument or an argument can be made that it's the best sequel of all time behind Empire, Godfather 2 or Terminator 2. Uh, Raiders is, to me, the best of the franchise. It's just such a good film. So I don't have any expectations of this film because I already know I'm going to love it. I'm just really hoping Josh likes it. And I think you're going to, Josh. I really do think you're going to like it. It's nothing like the last couple of movies we've watched. So I think you're going to like it. What about you, Tom? Well, I mean, I've seen this uh, a dozen times if I've seen it once. Love it every time. It's a stone cold classic. They had at least one beer tasting at Studio 35. Got a commemorative glass for it, which I promptly broke. But it's broken in a way that kind of has this, um, like, you know, archaeologist, like, art, um, like, belongs in the museum look to it. So I think it kind of adds to it. I don't have any interesting stories behind it myself. It's something that I just watched pieces of over and over. Uh, Last Crusade was actually my first full indie film. I eventually saw this all the way through later on. So it's not like uh, any real connection emotionally or like a watermark moment or anything like that. But I do know someone who didn't like this film, Josh. So... I was talking with my family recently. We were hanging out and talking about that we were going to watch this film. And my mom was talking about her mom, my grandmother. And she recounted a story when they were kids. They went to a park. And while they were kicking around a rock, they knocked over like something. And a garter snake slithered out. Barely the size of a pinky. Nothing big. Her mother had looked at that snake 
He said, everyone out, we're going, took everyone to the car, and they just drove off. Even though the snake had gone away, no love for snakes. Fast forward to sometime in the 1980s when this movie was released. And her and her dad and her mom um, were going for seeing it. And they got to the scene and Indiana went, why is the ground moving? And they lit the torch. And my grandmother stood up, walked out of the theater, and never saw the rest of the movie. And to her dying day, never finished Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Because why did it have to be snakes? <laughs> so spoiler alert, but yes. Yeah, I, I legitimately yeah. thought you were transitioning to the trivia or the quiz section, but... Good no. story. <laughs> I'm glad. I like this story when my mom was talking about it. Oh, no, no. It. I'm, I'm legitimately, I mean it. That was a good story. I like that. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Josh. Not mine. That was my mother's story. So thank you, Mom, for sharing that. Well, good story, Tom's mom. So for me, I'm looking forward to that. And to my grandmother, um, I'm sorry you never finished this all the way through. The whole film was not more snakes. Took a while to get past them, but there weren't any more after that. So my expectations is, Josh, unless you hate snakes, I think you're going to be okay. But That's funny, because my grandmother hates snakes, too. Is there something about that generation and snakes? Well, I mean, I know a lot of people in our generation, too, that hate snakes. Snakes are snakes, dude. Bite you, poison you, kill you, eat you. They don't even eat, chew you, just swallow you whole. Kind of not a good thing. But we know what my grandmother thought of this film, and we kind of know what your grandmother thought of this film, Josh. I wonder. I'm actually. I think at this point we um, a little more discussion about expectations. Yeah, we uh, do our more. group think. Maybe. Yeah, group think. Yes, I'm jumping ahead. So, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to really talk more about this film or anything. Like Steven Spielberg was the wonder kid of this point. I mean. His directing stuff was top-notch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you'd think that at that point in his career, I mean, it was still fairly early in his career, but he had a handful of hits. Because I know, like, <coughs> oh, excuse me. I'm going to have to take a break here in a second. got to get something to drink, take some medicine. I'm still getting over that fucking cold from last week. Ugh. Eesh. Yeah, I think it peaked at around Thursday or Friday, and I'm just still coming down off of it, but it, I'm still feeling like shit. You got the super COVID now. Well, oh, no. I hope not. But the, uh, no, it's like, I totally lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. I know what I was saying. Um, yeah, you think at this point in Steven Spielberg and George Lucas's career, they both released, you know, a lot of hits that made a lot of money that the studios would be like, what do you want to do? Whatever. Here's here's a check. Go do it. Yeah. I mean, like, because I think back to Chris Nolan when he was uh, approaching studios to make, um, was it Interstellar or was it Dunkirk um, or any of them? But basically, both, probably Chris Nolan got to the point where. They didn't care what he was producing or directing. They're like, you want to make a movie? Here you go. Because he's the type of director who gets things done on time and under budget. Like, mm -hmm. I think it was the first film he made. I think it was Dunkirk right after Interstellar. Because he actually turned a profit uh, on Interstellar before the movie was even released. Or something to that effect. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, because um, this is a bit of trivia that you can edit out later on if you want, Tom. But uh, mm -hmm. like that cornfield that was in the movie... That mm -hmm. he was protecting at the very beginning. Apparently, he turned. He actually was able to farm that and make a profit off of the uh, returns from that corn. But, what? Yeah. What? So basically, 
people, yeah, like he, they actually farmed the cornfields that was in the beginning of that movie, and he was able to turn that in to record profits for the film. <laughs> what? That's so amazing. Like, studios, yeah, studios look at Chris Nolan as like God's gift to them. Be like, he was made to make good movies that make us money. So we like money, so we like him. The distributive property. See how that works, guys? Yeah. And then somebody's like, I was told there wouldn't be math. <laughs> but uh you would think that back then that the combination of steven spielberg and george lucas making a movie with harrison ford would have been a no-brainer be like pff, pff, done but the fact that they had to fight it that they had to find somebody to buy off on this movie it's hard to it's a hard pill to swallow well it should be noted that at that time, the film that came out before Indiana Jones was 1941, which was a period piece. And yeah, it banked, but it was nothing like his first two films. And it wasn't a blockbuster. Also, in- while Harrison Ford was like Han Solo was really popular in Star Wars, Harrison Ford wasn't Harrison Ford yet. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't the name that we know him as today. I would say this and Star Wars made him Harrison Ford. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, his his one of his earliest films that he did with Lucas, which kind of got him noticed, was um, American Graffiti. But he was in another film years before. He did an interview with um, Jay Leno about it. I have to post it somewhere. But I guess he was so bad in that film, the producer took him inside and basically said yeah i don't think acting is for you buddy so not not a not a big uh not a not a guarantee at that point in his career obviously history has um redeemed him but so with spielberg though i I still the guy was plucked from college to be like Hollywood, they said like, "Hey, your film you did for this festival, come on!" And all his early stuff was really good too. So I'm I'm really glad they did take the chance on this because a world without Indiana Jones, I don't know what would that even look like, considering how many films it's inspired. Yeah, no shit, Rob. If you've got anything to add or input to this discussion, go right ahead. It's not just the three of us need to talk. No, that's- yeah, yeah, you're a guest, so yeah, feel free to chime in. Yeah, no, that that's that's fine. I'm I'm uh, I'm just kind of listening right now. <laughs> it's like I got front row seats. <laughs> you know, there no. is a fun bit of uh, I remember from uh, about this film, not about this film, but trivia surrounding this film. There was this uh, guy who um, apparently, while well, his uh, I think it was his son was born, and his wife was passed out. The doctor came in with the uh, birth certificate to sign a name, and without his wife's consent, he signed the name Indiana. His last name is Jones. Oh no! So he named his kid Indiana Jones without his wife, while his wife was asleep. She apparently wasn't too happy about that, and vowed that at their next kid she would be awake when he signed the birth certificate. Spoiler alert: she wasn't, and he named their daughter Dow. No, no, divorce immediately. So his kids are Indiana Jones and Dow Jones. Oh. <laughs> What did she learn? <laughs> Don't have kids with this guy. <laughs> Get a vasectomy. Oh my god. So Rob, don't 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 be that guy. Whatever. <laughs> Just don't. When you and your future have a kid, don't don't. <laughs> well, at least at least my uh, my my last name isn't Skywalker, so you know. <laughs> Although I did 
Although it's I, custom PCs, right? <laughs> exactly. I I did find out though this week that a coworker of mine named Devin is named after the two main characters in Knight Rider. His name is Devin Michael. So his uh uh he's named after Devin Miles and Michael Knight from Knight Rider. Well, see, that's different. That's actually pretty clever. It's not Indiana Jones or Optimus Prime. Yes. I feel bad for the kids who were like uh, circa 2011 and 12 who were named Khaleesi. Oh, yeah. yeah. At least the dudes are named after like Rob. So pretty <laughs> solid name. So what were you named after? Not Game of Thrones. <laughs> My parents would like to clarify that I'm I'm named Priest Season 7. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel so bad. Well, now that we know what everybody here thinks about this, I guess we could find out what other people thought of this. And you know one thing is I know who's not giving the trivia this week is me. So. You're right. It's me. So I've got 30 it's not questions. You. It's not you. No. No, it's not you. It'll never be you. That's why we brought Rob on tonight, is because we, it was supposed to be your night, but instead we want Rob to do it. So Rob's <laughs> going to be doing the trivia. So go ahead, Rob. Uh, so I, I did some, so it's like, as far as the quiz goes, I know since, I mean, normally it's two people against each other, but it's going to be all three of you guys this time. We just do like highest score at the end of it. I can save one or two for tiebreakers if we need them. How many questions do you got for us? Uh, let's see. I, I have nine. I have nine reviews that I can use. That'll work. Yeah, I that's figured you'll fun. have a couple more than our standard five because it's more than. That's kind of why I since since it was going to be three people instead of two, I, I pulled out a couple more. You did a great job with it last time. You did it for uh, four of us. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did a stellar job. Yeah, I, I planned a little better this time than I did that time. So. <laughs> All right, well, ask us your questions, Quizmaster. I look forward to winning yet again. All right. Well, these are going to be mostly standard rules. Uh, these are IMDb reviews. One point to each person who gets close or gets the closest. Uh, two if you're on the money. And the Price is Right rules if the guesses are the same distance away. Lowest one uh, is the one that that, that wins. Right. So most points at the end wins, and uh, uh, we'll get started with the first review here. So I, I'm going to do the same thing that I did with the Empire Quiz. It'll be a mix of titles and maybe a line out of the review. One or two, I might do both. Just kind of depended on how I wanted to set up the review for the question. Sure. Uh, who do you want to so, go? F what's the order of operations here? Who do you want to go first? Oh, let's see. Um, who won last time? Who would who would have done the trivia this week? Not me. I believe that was me. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. it was. It was Tom. Last week, so it that was Tom. Tom got it. So yeah. so let's have let's have you go first, Tom. Yay! Sweet. I like that. All right. So first review. This comes from uh, T Sheridan nine four seven from February twenty ten. Title is. Best action movie ever? Uh, and the line from this review, Ford is fantastic. Not only is he a wonderfully flawed, relatable character, he can also be brutal. If only all archaeological digs were this exciting, I guarantee this would be one of the more common profession. Ten. Dan, what do you think? I'm gonna say eight. And how about you, Josh? I'm gonna be the cream in this Oreo and go nine. So actually, Gross. Dan gets this one. This one is a seven out of ten. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. Ouch. No. Oh no. Oh. 
hating this already. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and all right, our next review comes from Johnny-143 from June 17th, 2001. A line from the review. I'm of the school that thinks the sequels were inferior retreads, but that's neither here nor there. This is a great movie, and you should see it already. And uh, we'll go Dan's way since he guessed correctly the last time. So he thinks the sequels are bad, but it sounds like he likes Raiders. I'm going to say... I'm going to go eight again. All right. Uh, how about you, Josh? Um, I'm going to say seven this time. Tom? I'm going to say ten again. So uh, what did you guess, Dan? I said eight. eight. So Josh actually wins this one. I think this person was confused. This is a one out of ten. Oh, wow. <laughs> what? <laughs> Whoa. Oh, my Okay, God. so if he gave this one a one out of ten and he says this was better than the sequels, I don't want to see his reviews for the next yeah. movie. You keep so. using that word. I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> what did he think of? He probably loved uh, the, the Crystal Skull one. Yeah, didn't Crystal he? Skull was his favorite movie. Oh, the one with that dude from Transformers? That one was good. <laughs> He, he he thought the fourth Transformers movie was the best movie of all time. <laughs> Sounds like it. That one gave me a concussion. <laughs> Literally. We had to carry him out of the theater. Yeah, they did. <laughs> all right. Our next one comes from Miss Razio. No idea. All one word. This comes from actually recently, uh, December 26, 2020. Uh, this is a line from the review. I used to love the series, but now I find them mediocre, lackluster, misinformed, cheesy, overacted, and overdramatized. Better to watch a Tomb Raider movie or The Mummy. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, movies that exist because of Indiana Jones, but okay. Uh, I think we, let's see, Josh won the last one, so we'll go back to Josh first. Um... I'm going to go three. Three out of ten. Damn it. Uh, how about you, Tom? Four. Dan? Two. Dan, you're on the money. That is a two out of ten. Oh, son of a monkey. Damn. All right. Our next one comes from Yarborough from December 6, 2001. Title of the review, Some Good Fun, But Highly Overrated. <laughs> ten out of ten. <laughs> What'd you do? Scour IMDb to find the five people that hated this film? <laughs> it's a spoiler alert. They're all from the same review. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking guys. Yeah, all... I think this one's to you. <laughs> uh, can you read it one more time, Rob? Some good fun, but highly overrated. Five. Uh, Tom? Oh, Lord. Um, I'm going to say seven. And how about you, Josh? Uh, highly overrated. Let's thread that needle again and go six. <laughs> So you should have gone with your joke guess. This is a 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, my. I've got a point. I've got a point. Who, says I, who puts a 10-star review and, says, and then says highly overrated? Man, get fucked. <laughs> I'm not getting shut out at least, but man, what is wrong with these people? I think there, there were some really confused people in the review section on this one. You they found them. Been. You definitely found them. Yeah, no shit. They How do I write review? I hated it. 10 out of 10. <laughs> I loved it. 1 out of 10. <laughs> Ranking systems work. Uh, all right. This uh, next one comes from uh, the Far Side Observer from August 8th, 2020. I had to include this one just because of the title. Title of the review, Crash Bandicoot with Nazis. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Crash Bandicoot 
with Nazis. <laughs> well, uh, this, Tom, I believe the guess is yours first. Well, we appear to have fallen into a weird reverse world where good is bad and bad is good. But this one just right in the middle. I'm going to go with my gut and say nine. Uh, how about, uh, Dan? One more time. Read it one more time. Crash Bandicoot with Nazis. What? <laughs> oh my god. Crash Bandicoot with Nazis. Uh, I'm gonna say... What did you say, Tom? Nine. Nine. I'm gonna say six. And Josh? I really don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna say three. Just because I want to say it's a high one. But then last time I did that, it was the exact opposite. So, yeah, three. <laughs> Tom got this one right on the money. This is a 9 out of 10. Oh my god. I'm going to lose again. <laughs> so it's tied between me and Dan. Tied at 3. Alright, so we go to the tiebreaker. Well, no, there's 9 questions. Oh, I thought he just had 9 total just in case. Okay. Well, we can we can go to a tiebreaker now if we'd like. I do have 4 more. Are if we... da- if... No, uh, keep it going. Keep it going. This yeah, this, this bizarro world is is it is, is, is scary and confusing, but... There's some more good ones here. (laughs) By good, I'm scared. (laughs) Frightness, Uh, baby. Frightness. Alright, so our next one... uh, I'm not even gonna try to pronounce this person's username, because I don't even know. But they reviewed it on June 3rd, 2020. Title is overrated. This is the entirety of the review. Lessons learned from the movie. Americans are the greatest. All others are evil. America is great. America owns the world. Oh, this is just great for the 4th of July weekend, man. Yeah. The what movie did he watch? Anyways. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> we'll go, go back to uh, Tom, you, since you won the last one. Actually, yeah. I'm, the way these reviews have been going, where it sounds like a shitty review, but they give it a high score, I am legitimately going to say a 10 on this one. Alright. Uh, how about you, Josh? Well, Tom stole mine, so I'm gonna go opposite and say a one. Okay. And Dan? Uh... Be the cream in the Oreo. Say a five. Five. So, let's see. So, uh, this would mean that it's what? It's close. It's closest, right? Yeah. Yes. Closest so without think... going over. Closest without going, without over. going over. Okay, well, in that well, case... No, that's God. only if they're even distance apart. Oh, if they're even. What if... Okay. In that case, uh, Dan wins this one. This is a four out of ten. Ooh, <laughs> damn, son. This one was not a trick. This person did not like the movie. <laughs> you should be the cream in the Oreo, Dan. <laughs> I just didn't want you to score another point, Tom. <laughs> See, I, I, like, I like to find these reviews because we know so many people love this movie, but you gotta find the people who just have these horrible takes on them. <laughs> Emphasis on horrible. Yeah, you found them for sure, Rob. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, if you want to be a movie critic, start a podcast, for God's sake. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Amateurs. Right. So, next one is from uh, Winner55 from November 13th, 2007. The first line of the review. This is one of the films that led me, slowly but surely, to loathe the work of George Lucas. 
My God, what the hell's wrong with these people? Uh, Dan, it's to you first. This is the movie that started me to loathe the work of George Lucas. This is a 10 review, Dan. I, this is like so weird that someone would even say this. Like, obviously you never watched Attack of the Clones ever. <laughs> That's what started me hating George Lucas. Um, oh God, this, you know what though? I'm going to say this is a two. And uh, Tom, how about you? One. Josh? Well, if it's not a two or a one, I'm going to go ahead and say three. This way, if it is a ten, I'll still get the point. But I'm not going to win tonight. So, <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. This is a ten out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> well, either either way, you win this one because this is a seven out of ten. What nice. the hell's wrong with these people? <laughs> what? <laughs> Make up your mind. This okay. one, if you, if you look a little further into the review, he's basically talking about it's not a bad movie. It's the same generates the same kind of excitement as a B movie, but his apparently his main problem with it is that the cultural references are all to movies of the 1930s, and that George Lucas basically got all the references from other movies. That's the point. What the fuck did he want him to make Star Trek references? Star Wars references, even? That's the point, though. The movie's a homage to 1940s style. Just like, I mean, freaking Star Wars is like Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers yep. had a baby. So, no, tell me, tell me, um, when was this review wrote? Uh, 2007. There we go. Yeah. Yep. Sounds like someone who so, so Fucking millennials. <laughs> Dan, technically, technically, we're millennials. I don't know. I don't identify with that group. Well, this is actually a pretty close race. Uh, I have two more reviews here. So this next one, uh, another unpronounceable username, but this came from uh, November of 2019. Title is, When Harrison Ford Was Crapping Gold. What does he mean, was? Like, that just <laughs> assumes that he's not still crapping gold. <laughs> so uh, we'll go to you, Josh, first, since you won the last one. Say it one more time. When Harrison Ford Was Crapping Gold. 10 out of 10. And, uh, Tom? Uh, I'm gonna say 3 out of 10. And Dan? 8. Ooh, so actually, Dan wins this one. Price is right rules. This is a 9 out of 10. Ooh, no! And I, think, and I think that means Dan wins trivia. <laughs> or no, wait, no. No, actually, sorry. I do have one more. So Tom technically could tie it, but I don't have a tiebreaker. <laughs> Dan has five. I've got three. Tom You've has got Dan has five. Three. Tom has three. Josh has two. Yes. Let's... I am just on fire this journey, but that's okay because I don't have to <laughs> worry about writing the trivia last week. Okay. So yeah, Tom. The only way you could really win this is if you get the next one on the on the money. Well, so uh, the last one here. Mm -hmm. This is from uh, Al Walters. One. The date is important on this one. November 22nd, 2002. Uh, it's a little bit of a long one, but it's worth it. Yeah, that's what your mom said. <laughs> <laughs> this is without any doubt in my mind the greatest adventure movie of all time. Here we are at the tail end of 2002 AD and still no DVD. I mean, what's the deal with that? A few years back, when I was the proud owner of a Laserdisc player, it was said that this format is the wave of the future. Little did I know that Laserdiscs went by the way of the 8-track player. Nevertheless, thank the Lord Almighty that I own the Indiana Jones trilogy on laser because I'll probably be as old as some of the mummies in the tomb that Indiana Jones was sealed in with during Raiders of the Lost Ark before it comes out on DVD. I mean, really. Was this written by Lucas himself? 
<laughs> Indiana Jones was released on DVD in like 03. Yeah, I had the DVD box set. Uh-huh. Yeah, this, this review did not age well. It was probably six <laughs> months later it was released on DVD. Yeah. Okay, so this guy's bitch, bitching about medium. So, Dan, I think this one's to you. Dan, yeah, Dan, this one's yours. So he's bitching there's no DVD set. Uh, oh, God. Bizarro world. Um, Six. And uh, how about Josh next? Okay, this is like he's he he owns the trilogy on Laserdisc. Laserdisc. And he wants it to come out on DVD. So that implies that he actually might like the movie. This has got to be a one-star review. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna say ten because that's it's got to be opposite, right? But it's probably a one. It's, it's, it's probably a one. So ten, ten is your guess. Yeah. All right. And uh, Tom? I'm going to say nine. Josh got this one right. This is a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Boom, I had bitches. a feeling. <laughs> I had a feeling. Oh. So the final tally is Dan at five points, Josh at four, finally beating Tom, and Tom at three. <laughs> Son of a monkey. At least Josh didn't win, so. And I wasn't shut out. I'll take that. I'd... I'll take that W right there. Yeah. There were lots of reasonable reviews, but these were just, they, they were too good to pass up. So who wins? You, you do. do. Oh, yeah. I thought, well, Tom said, I'll take that W. I'm like, wait, how did Tom win? He had to get the last question right. I win. I wasn't shut out, and you beat Josh. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, Josh sucks. That's been the running trend for this journey, and I'm okay with it. Because it's just because you don't have to do trivia every week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think from here on out, whoever loses trivia needs to do trivia. And whoever loses, well, actually, no, I was going to say play the music, but actually Rob should say that. Rob should say what? Tom, play the music. Welcome back to another tomb raiding episode of The Fire Pit. I am, as always, your interspersal host, editor, and archaeologist, Tom! Whew. Professional tip, which steps trigger the booby traps? All of them! Whew. But thank you for keeping in step with us here at the fire pit. We've finally crusaded our way down to the temple of this kingdom of the Ark and uncovered the final destination of this journey, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is the culmination of the fire pit swings into adventure, the halfway point to our second season, and we could not be more glad that you were able to swing here with us. Speaking of swinging, let's see if the team was able to swing their way out of this latest bit of peril. And there! This tourniquet should help with your bleeding, Dan. And uh, keep drinking this antidote. You'll be fine in no time. Uh, yeah, oh, thanks, man. You're a real lifesaver. I'm really sorry, guys. This was all just a prank. I just really wanted to be on your podcast. You could have asked. Finally, the door opens. All right, let's get going. Wait, don't step on the... A giant boulder... Really, Rob? I wanted to give you an authentic experience. Run! Running, 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 running! Running, 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 running! Shit, the ground's starting to collapse. Jump! Jump for your lives! We jump! I jumped! <laughs> Shit, it's too wide now. Dan's not gonna make it! Don't worry, I came prepared. 
Throw me the whip so I can swing across. Okay, throw me the idol and I'll throw you the whip. Oh. <laughs> Adios, senor. <laughs> can I still be on the podcast? Our people will be in touch. Be in touch. <sighs> Fuck that guy. I'm starting to wonder if the team might not be the villains of the adventure after all. But if you happen to know of some adventures we should try out, or if you want to advertise some adventurous products of your own, or if you just want to adventure into the world of electronic mail, then feel free to email us at curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. That's curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. Just be sure to put Fire Pit in the subject line, as well as the reason for your email. Whether it's a journey to consider, an ad you'd like to pay for, a destination that you think would be righteous, or whatever else you might have, then slide it on over. From there, we'll read it. Secure it in an ancient temple surrounded by a myriad of rude Goldberg traps. Leave a splattering of clues and maps that might lead to the final resting place. And never respond. It's your job to find it, not ours. But that email again is curtaincallentertainmentinc at gmail.com. Capital C, capital C, capital E, capital I at gmail.com Oh! Oh! Oh, I was supposed to run out of the temple before the boulder sealed the entrance, not after! Oh, I knew I shouldn't have skipped that class. Hope I'm going to wait a thousand years for some archaeologists to dig me up out of this. I'll let you get back to the episode. Thank you all for listening, and as always, good luck. I knew I should have stuck with an English major. And now to check on the team to see how they're enjoying their movie. So it is a little ironic, but uh, we are recording this on the one-year anniversary of our first Destination movie. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that yeah, with Road to Independence Day was this time last summer. Well, happy anniversary to us. See, in the porn remake, he doesn't grab his pants. He grabs his penis. Oh, my God. Oh, wait. Hold on. We're not even 10 minutes into the film, and Josh is mentioning the porn remake. (laughs) Take a drink. I love that fade out from the Paramount Mountain right to the mountain. I believe that is called a match cut. I went to college to learn that. (laughs) You went one year in film school. And in that one year, I learned what a match cut was. Money well spent. Giant goddamn spider webs. Nope. I don't care what's behind this door. I'm out. I'd be more concerned that he started out with a party of 30 people and he's down to two. (laughs) Bad dice rolls. (laughs) No, these are the two guys who are still role playing uh, on prom night. Everybody else had dates. So this is Alfred Molina's movie debut. This is the first time he ever was featured in a movie, or not featured, but first movie he ever did. In his very first day of filming, he had to be covered with tarantulas. And 20 years later, he would try to kill Spider-Man. <laughs> this was the start of it all. 
<laughs> this is oh, so this is the Doc Ock origin story. Origin story. <laughs> yeah, gold is a lot more dense than uh, sand. If anything, he should be adding sand. He's an archaeologist, not a scientist. But, uh, yep, yep, you're right, Tom. Adios, stupido. The giant boulder rub, really? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make it authentic. <laughs> Why are we chasing him? We have arrows. So the movie can happen. That's dumb. <laughs> Did she just spit on those people? She's eating dates. Yeah, but then she spit on that person. God, what's the 30s? <laughs> you were allowed to just spit on people. Ah, oh, makes sense. Especially women in the Middle East. What are you trying to do? Scare me? It's not like my mom. I don't believe in magic glasses and mysterious hocus pocus. Even though you did have a whole thing with a guy trying to rip out your heart 10 years ago. Oh, wait, that movie hasn't been made yet. <laughs> yeah, because didn't uh, Temple No, of it was only two years before this. Uh, uh, yeah. Temple of Doom takes place in like 1934 and 35. Yeah, because chronologically, Temple of Doom is before this one, right? Yeah. But it's after this in the ser series. Yeah. Chronologically, Temple of Doom is the first in the, the movies. Then this, then Last Crusade, then Crystal Skull. Yeah, according to the Indiana Jones wiki, Temple of Doom is 35, Raiders is 36, and Last Crusade is 38. Wow. Crystal Skull is 57, but we, we don't talk about that one. No. Yeah, the less said about that one, the better. <laughs> yeah, what's Crystal Skull? That has nothing to do with Indiana Jones. Come on. Also, Rob, if you steal any more of my trivia tonight, I'm cutting your fucking mic. <laughs> God, this has got to be like watching paint dry or watching Blade Runner. <laughs> I, I was reading that in this scene, apparently uh, Harrison Ford's leg got stuck under one of the, like the, the plane actually rolled over his leg. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but instead of actually using the Tunisian healthcare. He just put ice on the leg and kept going. Yeah, he's like, just, yeah, cut me, Lou. Cut me, Lou. I can still fight. Considering the Tunisian food, I'm sure the healthcare probably wasn't that much better. He's not laughing because he's evil and people are about to die a slow death. He's laughing because he's wearing all black in the middle of the hot sun and he's become very heat stroked. He was already on fire. <laughs> Well, you don't get the bonus points unless you finish him off. Yeah, he needed to get the points for the kill, not the fire. He'll get that sweet headshot medal. Yeah, Indy's obviously achievement hunting. <laughs> Ten dollars in that time? You got fleeced, dude. Yeah, using that currency exchanger, $10 back then is a is 188 Wow. <laughs> Whoops. So it's like, yeah, I only paid $200 for this watch. Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> Sir, this is a glory hole. <laughs> Josh makes a sex joke. Hold on. <laughs> Take a drink. Damn. We're only 45 minutes into this film. I almost got a bingo. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Oh, hey, there's a bingo. Yeah, we just got to subtly excavate this antechamber right next to the Nazis. Guys, you think we should keep going? The sky looks like it's literally about to have explosive diarrhea all over us. Speaking oh. of explosive diarrhea, this is about the time the whole crew was sick. They're not so much digging for the Ark, they're trying to find a hole to shit in. <laughs> <laughs> Gross. Why does the fall move? Torch. 
And this is where my grandma nope the fuck out of the theater. <laughs> to steal more trivia from Dan, the uh, it's not the years, it's the mileage that was improvised by Harrison Ford. Nice. Also, if you use a bit of fridge logic, this is maybe the scene where they conceive Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> I thought we were going to stop talking about that movie. <laughs> no! Jesus Christ! Friendly fire is not turned off, sir! We are, we are playing on hardcore! I forgot, subs go underwater. See, from a submarine from that location, it would take them... Nine days. Shit, I didn't think this through. How long can you hold your breath? Well, for the rest of your life, that's for sure. It was at this point Belloc knew he fucked up. Want to make a baby? Is it going to be Shia LaBeouf? Yes. Then Then no. no. (laughs) And now, back to the episode. So, that was Raiders of the Lost Ark, the third uh, destination film of season two, ninth destination film overall. Uh, and we are going to do some final thoughts. Um, we're going to start with the guest of honor tonight, Rob. What are your final thoughts of this film? Although we know you already like it. So, but... <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly what, it's exactly what I knew it was. It's, this is one of my favorite movies ever. Love Harrison Ford. I love the chemistry between him and, and, uh, Karen Allen, it's it just it works great. I love the the humor, the classic Harrison Ford lines, the action, everything about it. It's the John Williams music. It's just this is this is an awesome movie. I love it. Nice. Okay. Nice. Cool. Go. Cool. Like we said, we, we already kind of knew what you were going to say. But, <laughs> you know, but I mean, yeah. like, like is is it, are those the only reasons why you love this movie? Is like the chemistry with him and Karen Allen, or? Oh, I just think anything stand out in tonight's viewing that you hadn't seen before? There wasn't too much. Um, what was the? There was something early on that I, I'm, I'm trying to remember back to what it was. There, there was one thing I caught that I'd never noticed before, and I, I, I can't think of it now. Um, I there was one thing that I, I, I actually forgot to mention. It bothers me every time I watch this movie, and it's not a problem with it, but <laughs> in the scene where. Uh, Indy is 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 saying he's going to blow up the ark. Belloc is standing there talking to him, and there's a fly that lands on his face, crawls into his mouth, and Paul Freeman doesn't even blink. Acting. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, every time I see that, I'm like, how did how did he how did he not react to that at all? It. <laughs> how did no one catch that? <laughs> exactly. I, every time I see it, and I'm like, that made it into the final cut. <laughs> 37 takes, and that was the best one. Uh, I, I do. I just, I, I love the opening sequence of the movie, too. It's like dance. It's just, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's the perfect introduction to that movie. Especially, I mean, you, you, you get that whole, the whole intro sequence where you don't even see Indy's face up until... Uh, you know, right, right there when he turns around and, and, and cracks the whip and get pulls the gun away, and then he just steps out of the shadow, and, mm-hmm. and the, you know the whole scene with the temple, and and obviously you know the, you have the boulder, and yeah, I just <laughs> I just love this. Movie. It essentially is a summary of the entire film in five minutes, pretty much. Nice. I believe I have. Is there anything else you want to say before I steal the the spotlight? No, go for it. 
yeah, that that fly scene. I, I can't not see it now. <laughs> the dozens of times I've seen this film, I've never noticed that happening. I mean, now I wonder if that was like digitally added in for whatever reason. I don't think it would. Spielberg is not Lucas. He wouldn't do that. But I won't. Have you seen the latest co- a, a copy of E.T. where they replace the shotguns with uh, radios? That's different. But you make a good point there, Josh. He's yeah, the, the first time. The first time I saw that when I when I was watching the first time I noticed it. I had to go back a couple of times and rewatch it. So I'm like, is it something? Is it is it film grade? Is it something that's just no? It was a fly. Yeah, so like, <laughs> I'm gonna say I saw something on Reddit about that a while back where he just like he felt it go in there, but he just didn't want to ruin the scene, so he just let it go. And now it's immortalized forever. My character would have ate that fly. <laughs> I hate a fly for this movie. <laughs> My God, dysentery, fly eating. <sighs> I mean, this this film was fun, but I'm not going to lie. Upon subsequent viewings, um, actually, you know what? I'm going to just focus right now on the special effects. You told me, Josh, that this movie came out same time as Clash of the Titans, right? I think so. I think they premiered the same weekend. Yeah, it's. I've seen a bit of Clash of the Titans and it's amazing that two films that made around the same time can look like they came from entirely different decades in terms of special effects Clash of the Titans does not hold up it looks like it had been made in like the 70s or 60s this one aside from the final sequence with the Ark of the Covenant opening and you know the angels or whatever they were and the melting that definitely um hasn't aged as well but everything else about this film in terms of the technical 30 40 years later still good still solid it it passes the high definition test uh, so Fun romp through the wilds of the world and killing Nazis and looking good while doing it. I have some other thoughts, but I want to, you know, I want to save those for when we're all talking about it. So, but Dan, what about you? Uh, Upon my 467,000th viewing, I hate this film now. (laughs) I've just, no. Hated it. Discovered I can't stand it. Hated it. (laughs) Moving on. no, this I love this film so much, and every time I watch it, I do notice a few different things about it. Um, it just like just the the whole sequence from like when they get trapped in the well of the souls all the way to when they're running down the ark in those trucks is just to me edge of your seat action without being unnecessarily stupid like if they did that scene today it would be just well it'd be almost like the fast and the furious airway or runway scene you know it's just like continuous gratuitous stunts that don't really mean a whole lot so um but yeah so i'm just saying like like every time i watch this film i just see different things that just um uh different things that just reach out to me like you know and I love how the fact that 
the movie doesn't delve into the supernatural or the mystical side of the arc until the last like two minutes of the film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I love that. I love how they don't actually tell you whether or not the arcs actually got this power until Indy goes, shut your eyes. <laughs> um, I, I know. I just love that. And I, I love how early in the movie, Indy's a skeptic like Martin is telling him like, Oh, the arc is powerful. It's mystical. It's, it's nothing like you've ever gone after before. And he's like, what are you trying to scare me? You sound like my mom. And he's skeptical about the whole thing. The whole time he's just trying to get the arc because the, the U S government's paying him to get it away from the Nazis. And he like, he's very skeptical. And then all of a sudden just when he clicks and goes, shut your eyes, it's like, he knows shit's about to get real, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? So like at the point, at that moment, you're like, you realize that Indy may not believe it, but he understands it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I said, just little bits about that. I could go on, but I want to wait till we're all talking. Josh is the only one of us that hasn't seen this film. So I'm really curious to get his thoughts on this. Josh hated it. Okay. Damn it. You already did that joke. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I liked it. I will say it, come out and say, I did like it, but, um, I don't think I have a reverence of it that you guys have. I don't know. It's, I think I liked the thing more. I, I will get more into this later, but I liked the movie. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. It definitely kept me entertained like 95% of the way, which is more than last week's movie <laughs> by about 95%. <laughs> and, um, spoiler alert, Josh didn't like Blade Runner, <laughs> but it's, I don't know. It's like it had the music. I thought the fa- the soundtrack was great. I loved the acting. I thought that it was very beautifully shot, and the story was definitely engaging. Maybe it was one of those deals like where um, I'm just late to the uh, bandwagon to hop on there. I don't. I'm, I'm I'm curious if like part of what you guys enjoy about this is partially nostalgia driven, and it's just I'm just looking through the looking at this through adult eyes. Like I have never seen this through young josh's eyes like i have no doubt that i would have loved this movie growing up because i mean i look at some movies like transformers the 1984 animated movie i love that movie but i can watch that movie and i look at it objectively as an adult and i'm like this is not a good movie but i still love watching that movie because i loved it as a kid it's nostalgia driven but it's like i acknowledge this is a good film you know like last week in my final thoughts i talked about how i can see why blade runner has a cult following I think it's even more obvious in this one. Going back like the past three weeks in movies we've watched, Nighthawks, I will never watch that movie again. It was garbage. Blade Runner, I might watch that again, but I'm in no rush to watch it again. If it's five to ten years before I watch that movie for a second time, that's fine. I don't need to see that movie. But like, I can see myself watching this movie in a very sh- short time time frame. You know how last week I was talking about I want to go see Blade Runner 2049 now because I have seen this one and it might... So some of the elements may make more sense and it may lead me back to watching Blade Runner mm-hmm. so I can engross more of the details. Now I want to go through and kind of watch the other Indiana Jones films, maybe even rewatch the uh, Crystal Skull one. What Crystal Skull one? I have no idea what you're talking about. Shut <laughs> <up>. <laughs> um, so I didn't hate this movie. I, I, I genuinely like this movie. I know I'm, I feel like I'm talking kind of down on it because you guys were talking about it like with a level of reverence when we were watching it. And I just, I don't have that, but I acknowledge it was a really good movie, like high eights, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's all I got. Um, we can get into the group discussion now. Let's see. I, I think a lot of it is nostalgia, too, because one of the things I picked up on in this viewing is just kind of how things, um, for lack of a better term, jump from action 
piece to action piece. There's really not a lot of flow. There's quiet moments in between where you get to know the characters. Sure, uh, a few cute moments, but it's like now they're on a ship and now they're on an island. And unless there's something action happening, it's like they go, they go, they go, they're here, they're there now. Don't think about it. You don't care about it anyways. Just things are happening now. Did anyone else get that kind of feeling from it? I understand what you're saying. There is definitely a lot of uh, back to back to back, but I don't think that really affects the ADD so much. It's not ADD driven like uh, modern films are because they actually gave a lot of time for scenes to breathe. Like after the explosion where he Indiana Jones thought uh, Marion was dead. Mm-hmm. It's like they had a chance to have him go sitting drinking and, you know, suffering for a, a bit. Mm hmm before they hit the next action scene. And there was a lot of downtime in this film. I mean, I would say this movie had probably a, uh, how many action scenes do you think this movie would have? Uh, let's see here. There's the escape from the temple at the very beginning. Yep. Um, there's the bar fight in Nepal. Yep. Then there's the uh, chase scene in um, Cairo mm-hmm. where Marion quote unquote dies. Oh, then there's that whole sequence through the, the well, of, the escape from the well of souls. Then yeah, the but chase. after Marion dies to the escape of to yeah, there, there's a good 20, like 30, 30 minutes of 30 minutes there, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you were asking how many action scenes there are, if you count the well of souls all the way to getting on the ship as one scene, there's five action scenes in the whole film. Yeah, but they're long scenes. There's like. Yeah, I, see, I think it gives it a chance to really breathe, though. Because, I mean, like, I, I want to cite Dark Fate as one of those movies that's just, like, back-to-back-to-back-to-back action scenes. It doesn't give the movie any time to breathe or catch its breath. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no exposition between any lines. It's just like, we got to go here for this reason, then we're there. Now we got to go here for this reason, and we're there. There's no time to breathe. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a lot of time to breathe for this one. But there is a lot of action in this film, too. I will grant you that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the point of the whole film is to be one gigantic action-y romp. Well, I mean, it's a callback to pulp films of the 1940s of that explorer archaeologist or adventure archaeologist is what they called him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, where everyone thought, you know, archaeology was combing through ancient temples and, uh, you know, solving puzzles and getting out of there before the boulder traps you inside or something like that. And then in front of it, no, it's, it's nothing like that at all. It's a lot of crawling around on your belly with a brush, <laughs> slowly moving dirt around. Like, is this a thing? Is this a, not a thing? Is this yeah. a... Yeah. Could this be some pottery? No, it's just petrified dog shit. Oh, fuck. It's, you know, so... It's an important petrified dog shit. <laughs> what no. did the dog eat? <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, I, I get what you're saying, Josh and, and Tom, but I still think, you know... And I'm going to sound old here, but they don't make them like this anymore. They really don't. I agree with that. I 100% agree. You with know, that. this is this is an action film, but it's like an action film in 1981 is completely different from an action film in 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, it'd be a much different movie oh, yeah. if it was made today. I agree. I think if you applied modern elements of cinematography to this film, it would ruin it. Like Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. What movie is that? I've never heard of that. Is <laughs> that uh, Illinois Johnson and the? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a, it's not an Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's a knockoff film. But like thinking of of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, when they okay, like every Indiana Jones movie has a long chase sequence, and in the original trilogy, 
they were really good. Like there, this one was the Ark, you know, chasing down the Ark after getting out of the Well of Souls. The uh, Temple of Doom, for all of its flaws, has that really cool chase scene on the minecarts. Minecarts. Oh, know. yes. And then, oh my God. And then the best one, I think, in the whole trilogy, this is the best movie, Raiders, but the best chase scene in the whole trilogy is that tank scene in in uh, The Last Crusade. Yes. The tank scene in The Last Crusade is balls to the wall awesome. That mm-hmm. whole, and the fact that it's done with practical effects, practical sets, and stuntmen makes it all the more impressive. None of this was CG. It was camera, it was like tricky, shady camera work and stuntmen and practical effects. Yeah, like the scene with Indy going underneath the truck, like that was a stuntman and they, they filmed the camera at 20 frames per second instead of 25 frames per second. So the truck could move a lot slower so he could go underneath it safely. But then they mm-hmm. cranked the camera back up so it looks like it's going faster than it really is. Um, if they were to do that stunt today, it would be blue screened. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. and, so, and But that chase, the chase, the big chase in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and I, I've only seen that movie like once or twice, but I think they're on these like giant cutter things that are going through the the Amazon rainforest or the whatever. And yeah, they're like mowing down trees and people are getting eaten by fire ants or something like that. It's like, it's so over the top stupid. And the infamous, uh, Shia LaBeouf swinging from the vines with the monkeys scene. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, so, I think I blocked that part out. Yeah. So it's like, like <laughs> that chase scene was made with, I mean, now kingdom of the crystal skull is kind of an old, not an old film now, but how old is it? I don't care. But um, <laughs> 2008. Okay, but that's more of a modern film than the other ones are. But it has those like stupid modern movie making sensibilities that that just I don't know. They don't resonate with me like the stunts and stuff do in Raiders. Josh mentions Terminator Dark Fate having a, a action scene after action scene after action scene after action scene, and it doesn't let you breathe. And then that's in stark contrast to Terminator Two which is an action film, a balls-to-the-wall action film, but only has, like, six action scenes mm-hmm. in the whole film. I want to say I counted it out, and actually, I think... I'll have to refigure this out, but I think Terminator 2 actually only has, like, one or two less action scenes than Dark Fate, but they have more exposition scenes, and the action scene aren't as... And the long. story feels like it has more weight to it. Like, yeah. same with this one. This Like, the story feels like it has more weight to it. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. I just I, I know that this movie's action heavy and there is like set piece after set piece after set piece, but there is time to tell the story between those set pieces. It's not just look at this blue screen. Now look at this blue screen. Isn't this blue screen cool? You know. You guys think that maybe uh talking about modern versus practical effects, you know, blue screen versus old. It's like I was watching Swordfish recently and a lot of like that movie involves air quotes hacking. Um, but I was reading the trivia on that one and a lot of that they had to react to empty screens because they added the digital effects later and i know uh ian mccallum was famously quoted well not quoted but this part where he basically broke down during the filming of the hobbit and he's like this isn't acting i'm not acting with anybody it's just a green screen in me you know like he was he broke down on set crying do you think that maybe some of these older films are better because they use the practical effects, the actors and actresses are there. Oh, so absolutely. So they can react. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not saying that blue screen or green screen isn't impressive. Or there's not movies where the green screen and the blue screen, like, that, that doesn't hold up. Because I think the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, not The Hobbit, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, has brilliant blue screen effects mm-hmm. that really do hold up and really do help make the movie awesome. Like, you couldn't make the movie that impressive in the 80s. But 
But there are some times where, like, like I said, I think that this chase sequence in this film and the tank sequence in Last Crusade are just so impressive because it's all done practically. That was stuntman camera work and practical effects. And that's just mm. what makes it. So yeah. I'm sure they added an explosion or two here or there in post, you know, but it's nothing like it is today, you know. Yeah. And to add yeah, to that. It's like you can see that. Sorry, go ahead, Tom. No, I was going to say, to add to that, Josh, like when Indy falls into the pit and he lands in front of that snake, there is an actual snake there he is reacting to. Granted, there's a nice thing of glass between him and the snake, but when he's looking at the snake, he knows what he's looking at, and it's staring right back at him. Same with like the spiders all over Alfred Molina at the very beginning of the movie. Those are real tarantulas. In fact, mm-hmm. they, they were having problems with them. They were supposed to be crawling all over them, and they wouldn't move. They had to put a female tarantula on them to make the, the, the spiders start moving around. Mm-hmm. You know? And, <laughs> I, would have been, yeah, and I, would, I would have been like, no, I'm good. They don't need to move. Okay? They could just sit right here. It's bad enough that they're already on me. They could just not crawl. That would be awesome. Yeah. No, you're going to put a chick on there, and they're going to get horny? No? <laughs> okay. Pass. Tarantulas are fucking on my back. Tarantulas are fucking on my back. Yeah. No, 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 no. Please. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. See, that's the origin story. That's why he tries to kill Spider-Man 20 years later. But (laughs) he he quit archaeology and went into physics. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And then when he found out a superhero named Spider-Man, he's like, fuck that. Speaking of chicks that really just make things more complicated. Did anyone (laughs) else feel that? But why were they always after Marion? Once they got the the arc, why did they just ditch her? Well, they do show that Belloc has kind of an affinity for her. Yeah, you know, sure. uh, they, they, they yeah. But I'm just saying that they 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 show that like the Nazis were probably okay with killing her. The Nazis were definitely like on board with like just fucking kill her or throw her overboard or do whatever. And yeah, Belloc's the one that has like the affinity for her. So yeah, but when they get captured by the submarines, like. Well, the girl's coming with us. Why? Leave her. You don't need her. She is dead weight. What use does she have? Except that she's hot. A gift for the Fuhrer. A gift for the Fuhrer. No, she's not his cousin. He wouldn't be into her. But But that is what they said in the movie, though. No, that was for the... No, they said that she was a gift for the Fuhrer. Okay, I, I must have missed that part. Still dumb. Still dumb. I never said it was smart. I just said that was what they said in the movie. Eh, well, dumb crazy Nazis kidnapping chicks for the Fuhrer. But it just... That's another one of my nitpicks, I guess. She just stopped being useful once she stopped being useful. Well, to be fair, they did... Uh, like, Indiana Jones didn't release her and left her tied into the post for like good 30 minutes of the movie <laughs> like, like, oh you're alive you. no stay here yeah. i've got to go do stuff you're useless i mean I, I get why they were interested in her when when they were still looking for the amulet and stuff like that but mm-hmm. I, I i understand what you're saying tom i guess that's just one of those things it's like uh we need a damsel in distress okay <laughs> you know so we need her there to be there we need her there when Indiana's tied. It's the same reason why in every single James Bond film, instead of just fucking shooting him in the head and being done with it, they always come up with this elaborate trap and then explain their entire plot of world domination and then leave James Bond to figure out a way to escape from this trap before it kills him. 
and then stop their plot. Like every James Bond movie follows that exact same formula. Um, it, it's just one of those things. I guess we need a damsel in distress. Okay. <laughs> you know, so, yes. Yeah. I mean, if you are following the 1930, <clears throat> 1940 serial um, action adventure film or whatever, they definitely did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rob, what about you? What you have yeah, anything Rob, chime in. you see? Yeah, please chime in. Yeah. Don't, don't. Sure. Do no, I, I, um, Going back to to what Tom was saying initially, I, I I will admit there probably is at least some nostalgia that 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 does tinge my view of this movie uh, somewhat. But I keep going back to the music. I, I have the soundtrack of this of, of this movie. I listen to it all the time. It, it's you know it's one of those. I don't even need to yeah. You know, I don't even need to be watching the movie or you know it's it's just it's one of those i'll just listen to it independent of the movie and and i love it even just for that so like there there are definitely still elements of 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 the movie that i'm not sure i'm not sure it's nostalgia based um i think i i i just uh really appreciate what's there i'm also not used to being up this late so my brain is kind of shutting down right now <laughs> um, it's way past Rob's bedtime, ladies and gentlemen. For those listening, it is about three in the morning, yeah. It's true. But I do agree there definitely is at least some level of nostalgia, especially going back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, this was kind of my uh, movie I got to watch when, you know, I was sick or when I was, you know, home from school or you know, some, something where it's like, oh, I get to watch a movie. I'm going to watch Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was a treat. You know, though. I think that the one big thing about this movie too i would love to rewatch this film in theaters oh yes yeah i'd love to see this yes. movie in the theaters can confirm watching it now at like middle of the night tired kind of sick that may be part of my pessimism that if there if you can pull any pessimism off my uh what i said about it that may be part of why i say those things but i'm willing to bet that if i was feeling good it was the middle of the day and i was watching this in a packed theater this would be pure adrenaline pumping excitement of having seen it in a beer tasting too i have to say that is one of the best ways to see it in a packed theater with a bunch of drunks who are having the best time of their life i do think it's kind of interesting you know what what dan alluded to earlier talking about the the practical effects versus the CG effects of the more modern movies. It is interesting that you look at the two big franchises that George Lucas is known for, Star Wars and Indiana Jones. The original trilogy of Star Wars, you know, what's what's associated with that is it's it's the practical effects. It's it's the industrial light and magic innovation that they came up with with all these special effects. It's kind of the same way with the Indiana Jones movies. Those first 3, they were built on the practical effects. They they didn't have the computers to rely on back then. But you look at the prequels and Crystal Skull, it's very much CG heavy. It's it's more, it's in that time where Lucas was mm-hmm. just, I want to do all the things that I can't do any other way other yeah. than just put everything on a green screen. Right. And I do think there is an element there when there is a comparison between the two. I think there's more of an appreciation for the older movies than, again, like, like Dan said, they, they don't make them this way anymore, at least very rarely. Yeah. Yeah, at least the big blockbuster films don't make are made this way. Yeah, and I'm not saying that there aren't some good action films, and I enjoy the Marvel movies, most of them, anyways, and stuff like that. Still, but I'm just saying that they just don't make them like this anymore. And I mean that in the most old man yells at cloud way possible. So, well, the limitations of the technology and science or special effects at the time kept them from 
indulging in their more um, ambitious demons and impulses. Won't it's, have to... the, it's the whole, uh, you know, li- limitations are, are um, oh, what's the, what's the word? It's, it's, it's sort of the limitations force them to get creative. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise you get yeah. CG groundhogs <laughs> because you can. Yeah. Sam Raimi's better on a budget than he is with one. Yeah. And Lucas. And because I, I don't know that we've gotten the Star Trek reference in, though, but uh, motion picture versus Wrath of Khan. There we go. <laughs> that's, a really good, that's a really good comparison, though. <laughs> Take a drink. Yeah, it's actually hard to believe that that Wrath of Khan's made for half the budget of the of motion picture. But I've said all I can say about this film. I love it. I'm I'm still going to love it. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a yep. fun romp. I, I'm in the same opinion, and I've I've uh, milked this cow. Yep. Any other same. final thoughts there, Rob? No, I'm 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 good. All right, well, um, we're gonna go ahead and segue into a new destination film segment. Um, we're gonna go ahead and do kind of a mini retrospective over just the journey. This is another one of those things that was uh, we're adding due to feedback given by uh, our listeners. They enjoy hearing us talk about it, so we made it a segment. Hmm. So, um. We're just going to run through the list, and we're going to basically say, what was your favorite films of the journey? Favorite skits? How would you rank the films in this journey? Mm. So we're just going to go ahead and we'll go ahead and start with Rob again. Um, I know you, at the time of recording this, Rob hasn't had a chance to listen to our <laughs> Blade Runner episode. But um, go ahead and just, that, if you want that is to true. Talk, um, if you wanna talk about the, the journey. I imagine you've listened to the rest of the episodes, right? right? I have yeah. listened to the rest of them. Um, Good answer. That was a test you passed. I will. I will. I. I have only seen uh, counting Raiders. I've only seen two of the movies on this list. The other one being uh, Twenty One Bridges, which I actually watched recently, partially because you guys were watching it. But uh, I have to say, of from from a listener's perspective, uh, I, I really enjoyed the Tango and Cash episode because I could really, <laughs> I could really tell you guys really enjoyed that movie and (laughs) I want to watch it now. Like this, this, I I'm like, I'm, I'm ready to just buy it by the Blu-ray and just have it. (laughs) You should. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I think out of this journey, I think that that was probably my favorite episode that I've heard. I can't, obviously can't speak for the Blade Runner episode yet. Oh, all right. Well, cool. Um, we won't ask you what your least favorite episode is because we're part of the audience and we don't like to hear negative feedback. So we don't, we really don't. <laughs> we don't deal with constructive criticism very well. I also probably laughed more than I, more than I should have at the, uh, the Nithix joke. So. No. <laughs> okay. <You're welcome. laughs> okay. Well, actually, you know what? I, instead of asking for what your least favorite episode was, cause, cause you didn't have to watch the movies or anything. Is there a movie that you saw on our list that we either liked or didn't like that surprised you and how we reacted to it? Uh, I actually, I think the 21 bridges, um, I just, just partially because, uh, you know, I've, since I've listened to so many of the other episodes, uh, I heard that one come up so many times in the selection section. And I know at least, at least Josh talked it up a lot and, and I was a little surprised at your reaction to it. After watching the movie, I wasn't quite as surprised. Um, <laughs> but I, that, I think that was that that one was a little surprising to me when I when I listened to the episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Anything else? Uh, I definitely want to watch the thing too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Go see that. That's good. Oh, hi- yeah. I highly recommend that film. Yeah. Yes. 
yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely have some some good ones to uh, to go off from this journey. So overall, I really uh, I really enjoyed this one. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of enjoyable uh, uh, movies and episodes in this one. <laughs> I agree. Well, thank you for being a uh, continued listener. We'd thank appreciate you. it. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, Tom. So how about you? What are or I'm sorry, Josh. I'm sorry, jo- uh, Josh. What about what was your least favorite film of this journey and you've got a couple to pick from (laughs) (laughs) i think if i had to rank them uh my least favorite would have to be nithix and then probably blade runner oh then probably 21 bridges really that was like i said i like 21 bridges but objectively i acknowledge it's not a great film Mm um i'd probably have to put raiders after that and then the thing and then tango and cash because I think out of all the films we watched, I had the most fun with Tango and Cash. I think the best film we probably watched was The Thing. But the most fun I had was with Tango and Cash. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, I'll admit, I think my biggest uh, unco- or, uh, undiscovered gem was The Thing. Hmm. Like, I honestly did not expect I would enjoy that mil- movie. After watching, I was like, this was a really good film. And like Tango and Cash was just like, why didn't I watch this movie as a kid? This movie is awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Nice, nice. What about you, Dan? Oh, well, I'd have to say this was an interesting journey for me because outside of Raiders of the Lost Ark, I hadn't seen any of the films that I presented for this list, which is one of the reasons why I so heavily campaigned for it. Because it's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast was to watch movies I didn't have never seen and movies that take me out of my comfort zone. Movies like Blade Runner take me out of my comfort zone because that's a movie that I didn't necessarily like, but I didn't hate it either. And I could kind of see why it's considered art. But... um I'd have to say my most disappointing film, though, was Nighthawks. I've had friends and um, peers talk to me over and over and over again about how criminally underrated that movie is. And I'm now convinced that there's another movie called Nighthawks that they watched, and I got it confused with that one. So <laughs> that was such a disappointing film. I was so looking... Actually, out of all of the films on that list that I present this list that I presented, that was like number two of what I was looking forward to watching to the most. Like the thing was number one and Nighthawks was number two of movies I'd never seen. I was looking forward to watching. And I, I was never been so happy to see a movie end in my life. That meant I didn't have to watch it anymore. You know, I mean, like I will rather watch Sylvester Stallone in any of the expendables films. I'd rather watch him in stop or my mom will shoot then watch that because at least in stop or my mom will shoot something's happening so that movie was just an incredible disappointment but my favorite film that we watched on this journey was the thing loved that film was such a good movie to watch the only thing i hated about it was the fact i waited till i was almost 40 years old to watch that film that was the only thing i didn't like about it um and the biggest surprise was Tango and Cash. That was the one I thought was going to be the low point of the journey. I thought that was going to be the one we're going to have to get through to get to the good movies again. And we ended up loving that film so much. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't I hadn't had fun recording an episode since... I mean, I have fun recording every episode, but that one was like so much fun. That was like Days of Thunder kind of fun. Like a movie that I really thought was going to be kind of like, eh, meh. And then we mm. ended up all loving it so much and just kind of like really having fun with it, even though we acknowledged it was not a great film, but it was a fun film to watch. So that's what I would have to say. I'd have to say my favorite definitely was a thing. Least favorite was Nighthawks. Overall, I thought this was a fun journey to go on. What about you, Tom? Um, well, in terms of the movies, yeah, I gotta, I gotta make it unanimous. 
Tango and Cash has to be the standout from this journey, not just because it was such a fun film, but the fact that I went into it with negative memories of it, because that, that was my third time seeing it um, on that episode. And the first time I saw it was a kid, liked it. Second time as an adult, didn't like it. Thought it was like, damn, young me was dumb. Third time, it's like, nope, nope, young me saw something. Nope, this is great. This is a bad film, but it's a good bad film. Mm-hmm. So, and just recording us watching it was phenomenal. Like, I'm a, I'm going to echo you, Dan. Days of Thunder was about the equivalent uh, for me. Just that film I was expecting, just a slog or just begrudgingly watching it. But I, I also it. I also think just I don't want to jump on your thoughts so Tom, but I also think like like the, one of the reasons why Days of Thunder was so much fun is because we just got done watching like a bunch of heavy films, mm-hmm. and then we watched Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder was like this breath of fresh air of just like a movie that you just have fun and what you you munch on popcorn, you drink a soda, and you enjoy the film. Mm-hmm. And um, if you think about where Nighthawk or not Nighthawks, where um, Tango and Cash landed. We had just watched a couple of really heavy films like 42 and then 21 Bridges and then mm-hmm. The Thing, you know? So like we went through some really heavy movies and also we get to watch a really funny buddy cop film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think also helped. Although unlike uh, past journeys, um, you know, Tango and Cash was preceded by good films. Well, a good film. 21 Bridges has to be one of the lowest points that Nighthawks mm-hmm. But 21 Bridges, most of all, if uh, Tango and Cash was a good, bad film, 21 Bridges was a bad, good film. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Had all the elements, had a great, had great acting, um, great characters. It had the budget, it had the consideration, but it just didn't have anything else going for it. And which is kind of ironic. Night. That and Nighthawks. Nighthawks, we both had, we all had such hope for. And just to go into it and just oh, be so let down. That movie was a slog to get through. God. Yeah. But at least I'll grant Nighthawks this much. It wasn't all its fault. It, they cut an hour of very necessary film so it could get a rating. 21 Bridges didn't have that excuse. It had Again, everything I think going. That every for movie it. has an hour of uncut footage. Yeah, but in, Nighthawk, in yes. Nighthawk's case, what they'd cut was footage because it was so violent. They did it was going to get an X rating, and so they cut it back to get an R rating. And it feels like all they they cut the action scenes out to get it to stop it from getting an X rating. And the only thing they had to work with was filler. So it yeah. felt like the whole movie was just nothing but filler. Mm-hmm. But 21 Bridges didn't have that excuse. So I'd say of the two, it was the most disappointing. It kind of hobbled itself, which is ironic or I guess a little comical because 21 Bridges is also one of our funniest skits. That Law and Order Chung oh, Chung yeah. skit. That Nigel, brilliant writing on your part. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> where it was just, where it was just like two lines completely out of context. And it just keeps going from scene to scene. Loved yes. it. Loved it. Uh, I mean, that was one of the best skits we did this whole journey. So from the manure comes flowers, I yeah. guess. You know, good good segueing into the skits, too, because I definitely wanted to t- touch on those. 
Like I loved our uh, Twenty One Bridges skit. I, but I honestly too. think one of my favorite ones was the one we did for the thing. Yes, that one was good. I love the one we did for Tango and Cash, where you guys were just getting beat up by cops, and I'm sitting there going, "Oh, that looks like it hurts." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Rob, I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of the running theme in our uh, skits is Dan getting injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but in, in, in Tango and Cash, it was you and Josh were, like, getting arrested. I'm like, no, I want to be arrested, too. And then they start beating you guys with the batons, and I'm like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yep, those are your guys, officer. Yeah, not are, me. <laughs> I have no idea who they are. Never seen them before in my life. <laughs> that was hilarious. That was hilarious. What about you, Rob? Do you have any – I mean, the, we – there are at least one or two other episodes you haven't had a chance of listening to, but so far, um, which ones ones are standing out? Well, I mean, obviously, I love the one I was part of. So, <laughs> no, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, no, I, I, I did like uh, I did like the one that the Tango and Cash one with uh, with with the reversal of uh, yeah <laughs> yeah um, yeah no that 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 was definitely a good one that was that was. Uh, that was funny, but I, I do, I do actually, I, I do like the, I do like the one that we, that we did uh, tonight as well. Oh yeah, so I think this one will be good. Too, yeah. I can't wait to hear Tom's edit of it. I think it's going to be pretty good. So yeah. it's, yes, I've got my work cut out for me, but it'll be pretty. It'll be shiny. It'll be good. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with Josh. So I do, I love the skit we did for the thing too, where I became conspiracy nut guy, and and Tom, because Tom, Tom wanted to show everybody the cleansing power of fire, and yes, you know, and Josh, Josh was obsessed with bleeding people out, like you know. <laughs> It's one of the ads I've uh, put together um, to advertise us. It uses a lot of dialogue from that skit. Yeah. And I honestly, I thought the skit we did for Nighthawks was hilarious. The movie sucked, but I love doing that internal detective noir dialogue yeah. from all of us. Which, weirdly enough, fits more with um, the vibe of Blade Runner than anything else. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing with doing skits for movies i hadn't seen yet i didn't know what to expect in some of these films but yeah, yeah. I, overall i think the journey was it lived up to my expectations of when i presented this journey was the skits are going to be amazing for these episodes yeah and i think they were i think all of them had really 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 funny skits you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i'm just glad you like you guys like the thing i'm really glad there, that was the yeah, standout. Say, that, that's got to be my uh, hidden gem movie that of this journey. Yeah, that's definitely I didn't my favorite. Think I would like that one. That one, but it's definitely I got to say is the, my favorite movie of this journey. Mm-hmm. I, I figured you guys would like it. I'm glad you did. You guys know now that you've done Empire Strikes Back and Raiders of the Lost Ark. It, you know it's all it's all downhill for me now. You, you've done like my two favorite movies of all time. Well, that's because <laughs> well, that's fine. You know, whatever. It's it's peaked for you. We understand. <laughs> I mean, I got, we peaked at Tango and Cash, so <laughs> yeah. like we know that there's never going to be another one of those films ever. I, but I, we're going to look for them. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to when you guys get to a Star Trek movie, though. Working on that. Amazingly enough, we have not. We, we haven't got one yet, which is amazing because we make so many Star Trek references, and all three of us are big Trekkies. But uh, mm-hmm. just honestly, the stars just haven't well, <laughs> pun intended. The stars just haven't aligned yet for us to to think of one yeah to get to you know we might just have to make it a destination it's probably the only way yeah i know next year the anniversary of wrath of khan and undiscovered country are are out so maybe do something like next year's the 55th anniversary of star trek so or no it's this year 
this year's the 55th anniversary of Star Trek. It's in September. So maybe, maybe do something for that, but we haven't planned destinations that far ahead yet. So mm-hmm. we're working on it though. No spoilers but, though. No spoilers. But I will say I've definitely uh, been uh, uh, very much enjoying listening to you guys. And, and uh, I just, I was uh, really happy to be invited to, to this one tonight. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So. That was a blast having yeah. you. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun having you on. Yeah. So I think uh, we've done our mini retrospective. We'll save the big retrospective for uh, the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh, you want to lead us out? I do, I do. I guess that's all for tonight's show. Um, as a reminder, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, or wherever fine podcasts are made. Regular episodes are released Tuesdays at 6 p.m., usually, depending on Tom. But 99% of the time, he's usually on time. So uh, please like and subscribe on whatever medium you choose, as it really helps us out. Oh, and we are on YouTube now. So far, we've only got the first 25-ish episodes uh, uploaded. So give us a quick search on there. We got links in our Discord. More on that later. But yeah, get on there, like our episodes, and subscribe there as well. And uh, we'll eventually have that up to date with the regular episodes as they come out. We're still slowly updating it. And uh, be sure to leave a review on uh, whatever platform you listen to us on, too. It really helps us out, really helps us show up on the search index and come up and be recommended to other people who is listening to podcasts or similar interests to us. Yeah, and be sure to join our Discord channel as well. Link the episode's description at discord.me slash firepit. You'll get notifications of new episodes, and even better, you can engage in discussions with other fans of the show. Hop on in. It's a really fun time. We chat occasionally on the channel. Longtime listeners, friends of the channel, like Rob here uh, and Tarek Thorne and Danielle are always engaging in discussions over the latest episode or past episodes or even speculating about future episodes. But um, join in the chat, and the more the merrier so just please join us on discord and also if you want you can email us at curtain call entertainment inc at gmail.com if you want to send us a long message a short message a happy message or a sad message it's up to you also be sure to like our page on facebook and follow us on twitter at fire pit cce both are linked in this episode's description as well. Rob, do you have anything um, regarding uh, yourself and Rob's custom PCs? Uh, I, I do. Um, first of all, I just wanted to give a shout out to you guys for having me on. They said I had a lot of fun and uh, I'm up for uh, coming back whenever you'd have me. But uh, I also want to give a shout out to uh, my fiance Taylor. She hung around for a little while at the beginning of the episode, and I think it got a little too late for her, so she went home. But uh, she she put up with me doing this on on a night that probably normally would have been a date night for us. So <laughs> I, I I love you, Taylor. <laughs> if you if you ever listen to this, <laughs> why do I why do we always have these guest episodes when guests normally need to have a date night? <laughs> That's all right. We have stuff planned uh, tomorrow and Monday, so it's it. This actually worked out well. Oh, nice, awesome. nice. Is there um, any anything uh, regarding your business that you want to tell us about, Rob's custom piece? Mate? Yeah, go ahead and plug yourself at this point. Well, uh, you can uh, find me in my Facebook page. Uh, it's Rob's Custom PCs. I also have an email address, robscustompcs at gmail.com. Unfortunately, I've not been able to do a lot of builds recently because of all the part shortages and, and just the general availability issues with computers. That's That wouldn't stop me if you asked me, but it might be a little bit more difficult. But yeah, if you're looking looking for a custom computer, whether it's 
for gaming or for making a podcast or, you know, <laughs> any anything that you might want to use a computer for, uh, hit me up and see what uh, see what I can do for you. Cool. This this uh, podcast is edited on a Rob's custom PC. It is that it indeed. is. Yes. So I think that's all I have. Well, I would like to shout out, um, and since I get to be the first in the list of the shout outs, I'd like to shout out Rob of Rob's Custom PCs for joining <laughs> us tonight. So thank you, Rob. We really appreciate you coming on and uh, enjoying the movie with us and lending your voice and talents to our skit and uh, your thoughts on the movie before and after. So thank you, Rob. We, we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it was my pleasure. And uh, I would like to shout out Peggy, the OG friend of the channel. And uh, also would like to shout out, big shout out to Zencaster, continuing to save our bacon. Just makes recording so much easier, makes editing for Tom so much easier. And uh, Zencaster is like the best thing we found, especially after uh, Skype kind of crapped the bed and lost what can only be described as the greatest selection section episode of all time. So that's that's actually where the, we peaked and no one will ever hear it. Uh, but special shout out to Zencaster and uh, yeah. Speaking of helping me edit, I want to shout out Audacity. Audacity is the free software I utilize every week to edit these dulcet tones of ours and put together this fantastic podcast that you listen to every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Audacity, as I noted, is free software, which is nice because we're cheap. But for free software, it's pretty, pretty solid. So if you want to start a podcast or just want to record music or what have you, you cannot really go wrong with Audacity. It's helped me out. It'll help you out. And speaking of helping out with podcasts, if you want to, you know, make your own and get it published out there, podbean.com is where our podcast is hosted. It is home to many a fine podcasts such as Critical Role, We've been with them since the beginning. So if you want to make it a large podcast or just a podcast that you and your friends are going to listen to, I recommend them. And speaking of listening to podcasts, I want to shout out two of our Facebook followers, Nate and Ash. Nate and Ash, two of the hundreds and growing Facebook followers that we have. So whether you join in weekly, just pop in every so often, or like having us on your like feed because... Why not? We appreciate it, and thank you for helping to keep these fire pits burning. Well, all right, guys. I guess that's it for this week's episode. We got a for episode sixty-nine. Nice. All right. <laughs> so, where are we going to next, guys? We got a selection section coming back, so we'll be back with selection section number ten. Yep. And where we're going next? I don't know. I, I really... Yeah, but you can be the judge of uh, that. Yeah, there's a storm coming. Yeah, just just trust us. But so come <laughs> with us next week on selection section number ten. Until then, I've been Rob. I've been Josh. I've been Dan. And I've been Tom. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Curtain Call Entertainment LLC. Good luck out there. for leaving me in there assholes yeah sorry buddy <laughs> no hard feelings though right yes hard feelings lots of hard feelings hey you can be on the podcast we're good
So, uh, what was it that you were trying to find this whole time? Oh, oh, just a gift for Harrison Ford. It's his birthday. Considering we've used him so much this season, it only seemed fair. Here, let's look at it. Yeah, he'll definitely like that. I should hope so. What I had to do to help get it. Ouch. Um, so does anyone know where we parked our plane? No. No. I'm just the guide. Can't you guide us to our airplane? It makes a point. Uh, just in case, though. Shotgun. Tiger noise. <laughs> <laughs> Tiger noise. 